Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later. Hi there, Haunts fans. I'm Georgie Barker, and this is another episode of What the Ghost, your weekly insight into ghouls, ghosts, and ghastly goings-on. We'll be peering into the murky depths of history this week, unraveling the story of a deadly plague that spread terror across Europe for centuries. Terror. And funk. Now, we all know there was nothing unusual about widespread illness in the Middle Ages, but this affliction was very different. With a modern understanding of medicine, we can look back and explain away diseases like the Black Plague, though regular listeners will know to take that explanation with a protective sprinkle of salt. (laughs) But even now, we're as much in the dark about this epidemic as they were in the Dark Ages. And what's so intriguing about this plague is how the infected were affected. They dance themselves to death. That's right, folks. Over hundreds of years, unconnected individuals would start up a jig, first drawing in a partner, then a troop, eventually dragging the whole town into a frenzy of footwork until fever and exhaustion forced them to collapse, sometimes never to get up again. The people of Europe called it Coriomania, the Dancing Plague. But although it may seem supernatural, I'm sure there's a rational explanation. Isn't there? On a warm July day in Strasbourg, 1518, Frau Trophia stepped out of her front door and danced to the end of her street. She kept dancing as she made her way to the town centre. Her arms and feet whirled through the market square in time to music only she could hear. Her friends and neighbours laughed and clapped as they watched her spin and step across the city. They cheered her on all day and well into the night before she collapsed from exhaustion. 
but just a few short hours later, she was awake and dancing once again. She was still dancing three days later, now in blood-soaked shoes. It was almost a week before she finally died. There are reports that her body kept moving in time to some mysterious melody, even in death. By that time, 34 people had joined her. Within a month, a crowd of 400 were manically dancing through the streets of Strasbourg, without food, drink or rest. As many as 15 of them a day seemed to have no choice but to dance themselves to death. It's no wonder the townsfolk called it the Devil's Dance. On its own, this story would be strange enough, but what we'll hear today definitely crosses the line into spooktacular. But first, let's hear a little bit about a friend of the podcast. Being up close and personal with the supernatural all day can really wreak havoc with your nerves at night. That's why I need the best possible mattress to help me drift off to sleep. Luckily, I have my Bedsetera mattress so I can rest in peace. Its seven layers of high-tech latex foam keep me safe from the spectre of back pain, and the precision-engineered platinum alloy springs make my posture as good as ghoul. And I've got great news. The generous folks at Bedsetera are giving all What the Ghost listeners a spooktacular deal. Just enter the code FRIENDLYGHOST at the checkout for a 5% discount. Bedsetera, the only mattress that'll keep the nightmares away. God. You're listening to What the Ghost. What happened in Strasbourg in 1518 might be the most famous and well-documented account of the Dancing Plague, but it's certainly not the only one. There are reports of whole towns being compelled to dance into an early grave from as far back as the 7th century. In 1374, the dance consumed a population so vast it covers what is now northern France, Belgium and Luxembourg. In medieval Italy, crowds of people were unable to stop their frenzied feet from hurling themselves into the sea. But one of the strangest cases occurred in 1237, in a town called Erfurt in Germany. Records from the time say that for one day, a hundred children started feverishly dancing, moving as one all the way to Arnstadt, over 12 miles away, before all collapsing of exhaustion. Their feverish movements stopped as suddenly as they started. Though the facts about the children of Erfurt are hidden in the depths of history, their story lives on in the fearsome tale of the Pied Piper. I'd always assumed the story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin was a fairy tale, but it seems there's more to this legend than meets the ear. After all, we know by now that legends have long roots in history. Perhaps there was more to the Pied Piper than I'd imagined. The first written record of the tale appears in the Town Chronicles from 1384. It states simply, It is 100 years since our children left. Creepy! So, we know that the children left in 1284, 47 years after the children of Erfurt, a town nearly 200 kilometres away from Hamelin, made their fretful journey to Arnstadt. A stained glass window was placed in the church of Hamelin in 1300, showing the children following a brightly coloured man playing a pipe. That window is the earliest record we have of the Pied Piper story, and it's also the only record that shows the piper. I have to wonder, if we had images of the children from Erfurt, would they also show a brightly coloured musician, leading the youngsters away from the town? 
Fans of What the Ghost will know that children are much more open to the supernatural than we are as adults. It's hardly rare for people to experience unexplained phenomena. Unexplained, that is, until their children describe what they alone can see. (laughs) But was the paranormal really responsible for the Devil's Dance? Could there be a more rational explanation? Find out after this message from our valued sponsor. I often find myself covered in scratches from being out in the field. That's why I always take Urban Survival's basic first aid kit with me wherever I go. These handy kits hold everything from bandages and plasters to antiseptic wipes and bigger plasters. Haunted hotspots are full of frights from spectres to splinters, but with an Urban Survival first aid kit in your backpack, you can forget your fears of minor injuries. Urban Survival, because it's an urban jungle out there. Oh, God, more. Want no limits to your ghost hunting? Equip yourself with the Urban Survival Deluxe Preparedness Package, featuring everything included in the basic first aid kit, plus matches, compass, rope, water purification tablets, tinfoil blanket, crowbar, and trademarked Urban Survival Nutri-Rations, all stored in an easy-to-carry camo-printed box. Urban Survival, because the city is the wilderness of today. Welcome back to What the Ghost with me, Georgie Barker. Before the break, we heard about the mystery of the Devil's Dance and its link to the story of the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Though the circumstances are certainly spooky, we don't need to look to the paranormal to find an explanation. The time when the dance was at its height was a period of extraordinary hardship across Europe. It's hard for us to imagine now quite how difficult life was in the late Middle Ages. Local famines were widespread and weather was cruel in a time when heavy rain could be the difference between life and death. With no real understanding of what caused disease, the average life expectancy for millions of people was less than 30 years. And for most people, a life of serfdom meant that those 30 years would be spent in backbreaking servitude, struggling to survive while you worked for the profit of your local landowner. Life had been pretty sweet in Western Europe for the centuries before 1280, when wheat crop yields started to drop. Until then, the climate had been good and populations were booming. But when food production couldn't keep up, prices started to climb. And just a few years later, the weather started to turn. Winters were severe and summers were cold and wet. Crops failed from Ireland to Germany. Many cities and towns lost a quarter of their population and even King Edward II had trouble finding food. Crop levels didn't recover until 1325, and not soon after, the Black Death first hit Sicily. It ran through countries like a fire that couldn't be stopped, and would be killing people across the continent for the next 300 years. At the same time, political upheaval was everywhere and warfare was changing, with gunpowder, longbows and new, deadlier siege weapons to worry about. Whether it was a bloody death on the battlefield, a gruesome fatal disease, or watching yourself and your friends slowly starve, trauma could be present in every day of people's lives. Do we really need to look to the supernatural to explain the odd behaviour of these medieval townsfolk? Hardship and hunger can play odd tricks on the mind. Compulsive behaviour is far from uncommon during difficult times, and the combined emotional and physical stress that medieval Europeans lived through could well have led to hallucinations 
whether a spectral strain of music or even a whole crowd of dancers, though really there were only one or two. Some psychologists propose that certain kinds of psychosis can even be contagious. Could mass hysteria account for the way that dancing mania swept through communities? While stress and trauma may well have been necessary conditions for the dance, it's hard to believe that's the whole story. Medieval Europe was a difficult time and place to be alive, but it's far from the only culture to be struck by severe ongoing hardship. And while we might understand how individual towns and villages experience bouts of mass mania, what was it about these people, at this time, that made their supposed psychosis take the same form? from 13th century Italy to 17th century England. In fact, it takes a certain amount of twisting the facts to make this account fit at all. Take the most well-documented case of Strasbourg, starring Frau Trafia. Many historians would have us believe that the dancing mania there was a direct result of the hardship following the Black Plague, which had hit the town over 200 years earlier. We don't have to look far for another possible explanation, though just as far back as episode 97 and our discussion of the Salem Witch Trials. That's right, the most popular story among modern historians is that the Devil's Dance was nothing more than a widespread bout of ergot poisoning. For newer listeners, ergot is a psychoactive fungus that grows on rye, used to make the bread that many people lived on almost exclusively in the Middle Ages, right through to Tudor times. A loaf infected with ergot would lead to hallucinations, delusions and muscle spasms. Eat enough bad bread and you could find your movements were out of your control. But could fungus poisoning really keep you dancing for up to 20 miles? Although ergot might have been partly responsible in some cases, dancing mania affected areas that didn't grow rye at all. And in the middle of a medieval famine, if you didn't grow a crop, you didn't eat it. What's more, ergot poisoning could only have struck during the wet season it needs to grow, but there's no correlation between rainy periods and outbreaks of the Devil's Dance at all. But before we dive any deeper, let's hear our final message from another one of our sponsors. Why couldn't the ghost go to the party? Because he hadn't signed up to sparksfly.com to find a date. Wouldn't it be great if your dating service knew you as well as your friends do? Well, Sparksfly.com does. In fact, they know you better than anyone. With Sparksfly, there's no need to fill out lengthy surveys. They get all the information they need from your browser history. Wow. Okay. What the ghost listeners get a month's membership for free. No need for a code. They already know who you are. Sparksfly. Privacy is just another word for loneliness? I went out with someone I met online once. We didn't have a lot in common. Uh, I mentioned the podcast and he spent the rest of the night complaining about the Ghostbusters remake. But we had Thai food, so it was an okay date. Got the tofu messaman curry. Anyway, records of towns struck by dancing mania start to dwindle in the 17th century, but the story doesn't quite end there. There have been recent sightings of people behaving in a similar way to those taken by the Devil's Dance. Although it hasn't affected entire towns, that we know of, a few people claim to have seen groups of 10 or 20 people moving in a way that can best be described as, well, creepy. They describe the dancing body as behaving inhumanly. At first glance or out of the corner of your eye, 
The dance steps appear as contortions as limbs crack and bones warp, the skin pulled taut as it stretches over impossible angles. Of course, on closer inspection, almost all the witnesses admit that what appeared to be deathly writhing was in fact lively but ultimately mundane choreography, even if it did leave the viewer unsettled. Of course, drugs, stress and plain old exhaustion can play all sorts of tricks upon the mind and an energetic dancer can throw some pretty dramatic shapes, so it's not surprising that hallucinations of breaking bodies are common. And let's not ignore the fact that sightings spiked around 2004 when flash mobs were considered the height of cutting-edge fun. What is mysterious, though, is the number of odd reports from the graveyards of towns that were affected by the dance. Historians, police officers, and city planners who exhume the bodies find them looking mutilated or mutated. Reports describe skeletons with too many bones, limbs that are too long, and joints that bend in a way that the best doctors claim they should not. Spooksome. Although there are plenty of people who claim to have seen the Devil's Dance, if you know where to look, none of them can coherently describe how the dance goes. Most eyewitness accounts start plainly enough, but they tend to tail off into ramblings when they try to lay out the steps and moves they've seen. Could it be that all these people are spontaneously joining a dance so complex it defies description? Or is there some mysterious power that keeps witnesses' minds vague? Whatever the secret of the devil's dance, keep an eye on your feet next time you find yourself on the dance floor. The music may stop, but who knows if you will. That's it for this week's episode of What the Ghost? Join us next time when we'll be at the Edinburgh Fringe hearing about a comedian who literally died on stage and now haunts the back room of the pub where only the acts can hear him heckle. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes of What the Ghost, leave us a review, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OhMyGhostness and download our lock screen and ringtone at www.wtghost.com. Thanks for listening and remember, stay out of the shadows. This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, visit RustyQuill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. 
What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.